When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome aboard, Giants fans, to episode 91 of Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined every week, as always, by James Cratch and Dan Duggan. They cover the Giants for NJ Advanced Media. And now we are done. The NFL draft is in the books. The Giants... I think the word I would use probably is had one of the more interesting drafts of any team. Some angst, some anger, some people upset, ex-players upset what the Giants did, um, some questions about what they did, which is kind of par for the course for Jerry Reese drafts. James, we'll start with you after what I'm sure was a long and kind of whining and crazy draft weekend. The Giants come out with six players, a whole bunch of uh, undrafted free agents, which we, we could touch on later. But it started in the first round with a surprise. The Giants found themselves a quarterback. Um, we'll get into it all. But what, what was your big takeaway? Like when you walk away from this Giants draft, James, what's what's in your mind right now? I thought they had a so-so draft. There's a lot of question marks to me for a lot of these picks. I mean, you start with the first round pick. I mean, it's well documented, my, my thought. And we'll get into it Evan Ingram. But that was a, a pick that surprised me. Then you go... You know, you, you pass up a guy, Zach Cunningham, who you apparently were very interested in twice. I don't think Dalvin Tomlinson, I think he, that's probably the best pick of the draft they made in the second round. But you've added a guy who basically seems like he's an exact clone of Jonathan Hankins, may not give you much in terms of a pass rusher, which is what we thought they were looking for. Obviously, the pick that's going to define this draft, Davis Webb at three, Goldman at four, seems like a solid back, but I, I don't think he's a game breaker. Fifth round pick, Avery Moss, uh, you know, baggage on off field, you know, has some upside. And the sixth round pick to me, after looking into it, seems like a guy, Adam Biznati, Biznawati, excuse me, a lineman from Pitt, uh, has promise, but I don't think he's necessarily going to be able to help this team in year one. So last year they drafted six players and all of them played a significant role and five of them might start in week one in Dallas. Uh, I look at this draft and I only really see two guys, Ingram and Tomlinson, I think are going to be starters or equivalent to starters uh, in week one. So, you know, it, it's a draft I think is a lot more projection for the future uh, than maybe last year's did. It's interesting. And we've we've debated this, Dan, about, you know, these drafts and should it be for this year? Should it be, you know, you look forward? But w- off of what James just said, the fact they didn't address the offensive line till the end of the draft. I mean, I, I think a lot of the conversation around the Giants right now uh, to start this week is not who they brought in, but what they didn't do, you know, what the positions they didn't address, the players they passed up. What, what was your takeaway as you watched the whole thing unfold, starting with Engram in the first round? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot like uh, James said, um, or like you said, the offensive line, the lack of an offensive lineman early in the draft is what is going to be the biggest takeaway from this draft for me. I, I don't have as much of a problem with the the players they took as James did. Like I, Ingram, I think that they may have been able to trade back and get him. There's also reports that they couldn't, that the Falcons, the teams are trying to move up. I just don't know that he is such an important piece that you have to take him at 23. Uh, I think he will step in and help the offense, but I don't think it's, you know, what he brings to the table is a, is a dire need for this team right now, whereas I think maybe a trade back a few spots, 
you can get an offensive lineman, whether it be Cam Robinson or Ryan Ramchek, or even roll the dice on a linebacker like Ruben Foster. Like there are options, you know, later in the first round, pick up a few other mid round picks. So that way you can take the Davis Webb pick in the third round and also get a third rounder who can help you. So I think that that's why Jerry Reese never trading back to me is a major handicap because he says we want to, you know, take the picks. We don't want to move up. So he obviously values the picks. We'll get a few more. <laughs> like that's always a good thing. You want to, you know, to quote Ben McAdoo, he always says, you know, you want to get a lot of, uh, you know, at bats at the plate. Well, giving yourself more picks does that. And at 23, when Garrett Bowles just went off the board and Jared Davis went off the board, the, you know, two of the three picks before they were on the clock, two guys that they definitely are interested in. I think you can afford to slide back and maybe you get Evan Ingram at 27 or 26, whoever was in that, you know, in the trade talks at that point. And even if you can't, I still think you're going to get a, a good player there. And like I said, more shots, you know, later on in the draft. So I don't think Ingram's a bad pick because I think he will step in, be a good player. Uh, I think he adds a dimension to this offense sorely lacked last year. But it is going to be interesting to see how he fits because he's not O.J. Howard and and maybe not even David Njoku as far as being a well-rounded guy. So He's basically a big slot receiver, in my opinion. I don't think he's a tight end. You can you're gonna list him as a tight end, but he you know he's the same size as Brandon Marshall. So he's he's not a tight end. He's not a blocker. He you know he's willing to block, but you just can't put him on the line and ask him to go block a defensive end or probably even an outside linebacker. So uh, while he's a useful player, I, I don't think he was uh, a huge need for this team where they're at right now. Now he definitely could develop, and obviously the draft isn't just about this one year. Um, but again, my my biggest takeaway is a you know, not getting an offensive line to the sixth round. And I think maybe we can get more into that because I think it was really uh, a problem with the whole offseason. And then, two, I just think trading back has value in the spot that they were in. And, and you know, again, we'll see how things play out. But uh, some of these offensive linemen that went, you know, early uh, second round, I think could have helped uh, the Giants. Let's take a play about Reese now a couple years in a row, right? Like the Giants sit there and watch the players they, they seemingly want, or some of them go off the board, as Dan was just mentioning, they go right before the Giants at 23. And then they just sit where they are and take a player instead of, you know, maneuvering. It feels like Jerry Reese can't read the room, can't read what's happening around him and just reacts in the 10 minutes he has to make a pick. And doesn't mean the player he picks is poor. Like last year, everyone was mad at Jerry Reese or questioning Jerry Reese. And Eli Apple looks like he's going to be a good player. That could happen again with Evan Engram. It's just, it's kind of the perception of how it, they landed on Evan Engram. Yeah, I mean, look, actually, all things considered, my immediate reaction from when they made the Apple pick to compared to when they made the Ingram pick I'm a little bit more confident that Evan Ingram's going to be an impact player. I, I don't think – my issue with the pick is, is not the player. Evan Ingram is, by all indications, a first-round talent uh, considered by a lot of teams. I mean, I think some teams had him as a second-round guy. Uh, one scout who Mark Eckel, our, our colleague, talked about him as a third-round guy. Uh, but look, I think he can be an impact player. He's fast as heck. Uh, he's going to open a seam up. He's a weapon for the Giants. But I just look at the Giants. Did they really need another wide receiver? And, yes, down the road, I mean, look, I think one of the big takeaways I have from this draft was Brandon Marshall is probably going to be here for a year because there's really no reason to have Marshall and Shepard and Beckham and Ingram all together long term. And which of those guys is different from the other in terms of age? And, and so, all right. So that's probably what we're looking at here. And that's fine. I disagree with Dan. I don't, I think this was a luxury pick. Get back to the trade down thing. Uh, Peter King, MMQB had this, you know, everyone's talking about it. He was embedded in the, in the Niners war room this weekend for the draft. It says in there that the Niners called the giants about 23 because they were trying to trade back in to get Reuben Foster from Alabama. 
Giants said were staying pat. Now, they eventually worked their way down the line. They gave Seattle the number 34 pick right at the top of the second round and their fourth round pick, which I think was 111 for 31 to get into pick Foster. If they had traded up to 23 with the Giants, you'd have to think that they would have had to give up 67 in the third round and 34 at least to get to 23. Maybe they also throw in 111, and if Jerry Reese is driving a hard bargain and he tries to make them think that they're going to lose Ruben Foster if they don't get in the draft, he does get 111. So where would the Giants be better off, taking Ingram at 23 or having 34, 67, maybe 111 in addition to 55 and 87? Yeah, I think, well, think, off the top of my head, I mean, I think the answer is the latter. They'd, they'd be better off having those picks and not having Evan Engram. And that's that could be cha- now that could change. Like, if Evan Engram becomes a major weapon for this team, regardless of who the quarterback is, which we'll get to in a second over the next five to ten years, I mean, we won't talk about this. It won't be like, oh, they could have traded down and, you know, they didn't have to have Evan Engram. But right now, considering, like you said, Mark Eckel, the scout he talked to and kind of the perception of the team and the player and what else they needed, yeah, I— I think I would have traded down. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, no, like I said, that's definitely – and it's something that Reese hasn't done in 11 years, which is just really amazing. I mean, not to always compare people to Bill Belichick because he's obviously you know operating in just a different level in kind of every sense. But, I mean, he trades picks – constantly. I just think it's part of how you, you know, to do the job well because the other thing you do if you just stay put, you put a lot of pressure on yourself because it's listen, we have one pick in the first round, one pick in the second round, one pick in the third round. If those guys are flops, there's really no reinforcements there. It's just once in a while. I'm not saying all the time and I'm not saying when you have a top 10 pick you should trade out, but there are definitely certain spots where it just behooves you to just pick up a few more spots because you're not going to nail all seven picks every year. So give yourself nine picks one year. Give yourself, you know, in some years maybe it's six because you traded around. But I just think that there's just kind of inherent value in having more picks, and I, and I don't think that that's really a complicated, uh, you know, thing to wrap your mind around. Just the more shots you take, because it's a crapshoot. Your scouts can do the greatest job in the world, and you end up with guys who flame out in a year or two in some instances. So I just think that there's value in any picks. I think the spot they were in at 23. Yeah, there was a lot of value, again, because you wouldn't have to trade back that far. You would have picked up some more picks. But again, if they love Evan Ingram and are convinced that he's a game changer, and that's definitely possible, it's hard to really criticize him too harshly because, again, they know where they think he's going to fit in their offense. He's going to have a role this year. So I still will think that there was probably more value in trading back. But at the end of the day, they didn't pick a stiff. They got a guy who can help this team. And, and really, that's the, the end goal of any draft, obviously, is just to get players to help your team. How you go about doing it varies team to team. Uh, so it's, you know, I, I'm, I disagree with not trading down. But again, if they are so convicted that he is the guy, then hey, you know, we'll see what happens uh, next year and obviously going forward. Yeah, coulda, woulda, shoulda with all these kind of things. That that will be there now and forever. But, like, the one thing we will know eventually is can Evan Engram play and how well he could play, and that's what we'll talk about. And I'm with you, Dan. I mean, the more times you throw at the dartboard, the better chance you have. Uh, the Giants, and we'll get to the second round pick. We'll circle back around. But we, we've gone long enough without addressing maybe the biggest thing the Giants did. It wasn't the first-round pick. It wasn't the second-round pick. But for all intents and purposes, it probably was the most important pick for the future of the Giants. Third round, Davis Webb out of Cal. Uh, James, I remember seeing some some thoughts during this draft process that maybe he could sneak in the end of the first round. He ends up going in the third round to the Giants. And just listening to Jerry Reese after that pick was made, and I, I was kind of comparing and contrasting in my head what they said about Ryan Nassib 
all those years ago when they took him. Uh, and it was just totally different. Like, you know, that, I remember them saying they hope Ryan Nassif never plays for them, which he basically didn't. Um, and this was kind of a, almost a time frame they were giving. What You know, sit behind Eli for two to three years. But, you know, they, clearly they were talking about Davis Webb as uh, a real chance to be their future quarterback and to be the successor to Eli Manning. What did you think about the pick and uh, and the perception you're gaining um, in the last couple of days from hearing about Davis Webb here? The pick is fine, in my opinion. I think that the only thing I would say about the pick, and this is not – I look, we talked about Nate Peterman a lot in the past, but I just – the value – I mean, I do think the Giants, there, there are going to be some questions about you know the value they got just because we then saw that Dobbs didn't go to the fourth – Peterman didn't go to the fifth. I believe Brad Kaya stayed on the board until the sixth. So we're never going to know this, but I would be curious to know like how high of a gap, you know, high, how much higher up the board was Webb for the Giants compared to Peterman and Dobbs and Kaya. Because if it was pretty close, then the Giants are kind of opening themselves up for a little bit of criticism because they probably could have gotten Nate Peterman in the fifth round or, or, or Dobbs in the fourth round. I understand why the Giants wanted Webb. He's six foot five and he's got a, a rocket for an arm. I think every coach, every football coach in the history of, of the sport has seen a six foot five quarterback with a big arm and looked at the, that's what a quarterback's supposed to look like. That's what Davis Webb looks like. This is not a Ryan Nassib situation. For some reason, Giants fans are, are really bent out of shape about this pick. I don't get it. This is a guy who has all the physical tools. You have time to develop him. He doesn't have to be ready yet. And moreover, Eli is 36, coming off a mediocre season. You hope that he's got three more good years left in him. You don't know that for sure. And where would you rather be with the Giants? Have Eli have a bad 2017 to follow up a not-so-good 2016, and he shows a physical decline, and all of a sudden they have to make some big move to try to trade up the board and get one of those quarterbacks, and they have a lot of pressure on them. Or would you rather them be able to gradually ease into this thing and have the option on hand a year early rather than a year late? That's what I think the Giants have to look at. They had to get a quarterback this year because you've got to start the ball moving. They got one. Now they've got to develop this guy. And look, if they, are after a year, don't like what they see in practice and they don't think he's the guy and they think they misfired, this team has blown basically every third-round pick they've made in the last decade. They've had no problem cutting these guys. You know, They cut Demontre Moore because he got into a fight over headphones. I don't think the Giants are going to sweat you know, misfiring on a third-round pick if they have to go get another quarterback in a year in the draft. Before Dan, before we get to Dan here, James, I want you to address, because I saw your tweet, um, I guess it was Friday night, because the report came out, or you know, a rumor came out, the Giants tried to trade up for Mahomes in the first round, which I, I was out over the weekend and someone said that to me, and I, I remember I saw your tweet the night before, and I was like, I, I'm not sure if that's true. So what did you hear on that? And it, was there anything to that? Because that would have been interesting, because that would have changed the entire conversation, right? Like, you draft a quarterback in the third round. It's one thing, and he's going to develop, and this is now their quarterback of the future, maybe. If they trade up for Mahomes, that, that opens a whole can of worms. What did you hear? From people I talked to, and these are people that would know, uh, absolutely not. They did not try to trade up for Pat and Mahomes. Now, I will say this. Every NFL team, they, they call the teams ahead of them and behind them just to kind of get a feel for the room and, and what's going on and who might be open with what. So I'm sure the Giants probably called somebody – high up on the board, New Orleans at 11, Cleveland at 12, uh, Arizona at 13. I mean, I'm sure they called someone. But one, I don't think it was ever serious. 
too, if they wouldn't trade off a couple spots to get O.J. Howard, I really don't think Jerry Reese is going to go all in and deliver a huge haul to someone to get Patrick Mahomes. And three, as you, if you read the, the Peter King MMQB piece, the Niners didn't even know who the Bears were trying to get until the pick was announced. So if the Bears won't tell the 49ers that they're going up to get Mitch Trubisky and it's a one-spot hop, why would the Giants you know, call the Browns and say, hey, we want Patrick Mahomes? What do you think the Browns are going to do? They're going to go run to every team in the NFL and say, Giants want Pat Mahomes. What do you want to give us? So, one, they didn't try to trade up for Pat Mahomes. And two, if they were trying to trade up for Pat Mahomes, which they weren't, there's no way anyone would have known they were doing that until the card was in and Goodell was reading the name on TV. Yeah, it seemed bogus. The whole the whole thing seemed a little maybe sensationalized, the idea of, of them doing that. They do land Davis Webb. Dan, I remember when we talked about the idea of the Giants drafting a quarterback, which we've done a lot over the past couple months. I think you and I were, um, were kind of on the same page of if you do it in the first round, it creates a whole can of worms. If you do it later, uh, you could probably develop him, and you can, you can do that type of thing without causing some sort of story that's going to hover over the 2017 Giants. Do you think they pulled that off with a third-round pick? Do you think that was a, a kind of a sweet spot to take a quarterback? Yeah, I mean, i got to be consistent. I said I was adamantly opposed to taking a quarterback in the first round. I was similarly opposed to taking one in the second round. Pretty much any point after that, I was okay with it because, I mean, again, you do need to eventually start to look at Eli's successor. Now, could they have waited and you know, get some of those guys James said a little later? Sure. Could they have waited till next year? Absolutely. Those are, you know, those are kind of the two alternatives. Um, but again, it's the same deal. If a team likes a guy, you have to pick him. You, know, you can't just say, oh, well, maybe we can wait and get Nate Peterman in the fifth round. If you think Davis Webb is a significantly better quarterback and he's there in the third round, you have to take him. So I can't kill him for that. I mean, they supposedly had him even higher on their board. So in their opinion, they got good value. I think most people would say it's good value. I mean, there was buzz. He could be a late first round pick. So getting him at the end of the third round uh, definitely looks like good value. Uh, and again, like I said, First two rounds, I would have had a big problem with it because you want Engram and Tomlinson to step right in. I mean, Jerry Reese said usually you want your, your first three picks to step right in. Obviously, Webb isn't going to do that. But I think at the third round, you're getting to a point where the, you know less of a sure thing, uh, especially with the Giants track record, th- that those guys are going to step in and be immediate contributors. So uh, now it's really on Ben McAdoo. I mean, he's kind of developed this reputation for his work with quarterbacks. He inherited Aaron Rodgers and Eli Manning well into their careers uh, when, when he be, started working with them as a quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator and obviously head coach. You know, not that not that tough of an assignment to inherit those two guys. So uh, let's see. This is obviously a handpicked McAdoo guy, even though oddly he didn't speak to him during the process. Clearly saw enough on film and apparently liked what he heard from the scouts and and just knowing Webb's background, he is as they everybody who came to the podium said he's a coach's son. Um, there's no questions about. Uh, sort of his dedication to football. He lives and breathes it and watches film. So all that seems to be a good sign that he's going to be receptive uh, to what McAdoo referred to as quarterback school that, uh, you know, he's going to spend the next couple of years in, obviously. So uh, like I said, it's kind of on McAdoo to develop this guy because their, their futures are definitely going to be tied together. Um, but, you know, getting him in the third round, uh, can't knock it because, again, you do need to start looking to the future, uh, you know, who's going to replace Eli. And as James said, maybe it won't be Davis Webb. Maybe in two years they find someone in the second round they like more. That's fine. I mean, they really haven't taken, aside from Nassib, any quarterbacks uh, in Eli's tenure of any significance. Uh, so it's not the worst idea to just bring one in every couple of years, especially as he's getting up there. So uh, I'm fine with the pick overall. 
James, do you think there's pressure now on Eli Manning for the first time? Not that he doesn't put pressure on himself, but pressure because there's actually someone on the depth chart behind him that people inside the Giants actually believe in. Like, you know, this is the first time they've ever had anyone behind him that you could foresee actually being the Giants starting quarterback. Eli wasn't great last year. Do you think he's going to feel some pressure now? I'm sure he will. I mean, I think that, you know, McAdoo kind of came out and said basically that he doesn't believe that most rookie quarterbacks are capable of being the, the number two, the main backup in the NFL in their first year. So as of now, I tend to think that Eli's a starter, obviously, and, and Davis Webb's the, the third guy who is probably inactive most Sundays. And, uh, you know, Geno and Josh Johnson are going to battle it out to be the backup. But if Eli, again, if Eli has a poor, I don't think, look, there's going to be some element of the fan base that if Eli struggles this coming season is going to want Davis Webb to play. My guess is that the Giants are not going to entertain that at all and that Eli will be the guy, barring you know injury, all the way through. But if Eli has another kind of so-so season and we get to 2018 and Webb's been in the, NF, you know, in the league for a year and he knows the offense, people – I, I asked Ben McAdoo this on Friday night. and He basically said he doesn't care. And that's fine. That's, he's a coach. That, that's a typical McAdoo answer. But people are going to want to see Davis Webb play sooner rather than later, especially if Eli isn't playing great. So at some point, there's going to be a back page calling for Davis Webb. The Giants just have to be firm in their convictions that they're sticking with Eli because if they, if they start to get wishy-washy, when we were in Philly before the draft, Brian Bilk, I thought, said it best. If you even are entertaining or can't, without a doubt, adamantly say, we're not going to Davis Webb, then that's probably a sign that you've given up on Eli and you have to go to Davis Webb. So yeah, it's, it's funny, the whole thing about you know rookie quarterbacks not being able to play or sit for a full year. I know these situations aren't close to the same, but I remember the Eagles said the same thing last year about Carson Wentz. He was going to be inactive. You know, Three months later, he's starting on opening day. Now, that was a whole bunch of dominoes that fell that way. But, Dan, I always think these things move faster than coaches and GMs think they will. Like, I don't know when this switch will happen. I don't know if it will ever happen. I'm not sure what Davis Webb's going to be. But if Eli struggles, like James just alluded to, People will call for Davis Webb, and if Eli plays the whole year but finishes poorly, it feels like we'll go into next offseason with that question like, wait, is Davis Webb ready to take this job? Like, this thing probably moves faster than than they said on Thursday. Do you agree with that, or do you think it will be two or three full years? Uh, well, I mean, the clock has definitely started, and, you know, it's not. we were talking a lot of hypotheticals here for, you know, the three months after the season, but now there's a guy in there that, uh, you know, will be a potential option. Uh, it is funny, when Jerry Reese first got up to the podium and, and was uh, describing the web pick, he said something like, you know, Eli has two to three years left, and I, that caught my attention, and before I could really follow up on that with him, he did say other times, like, we don't know how long Eli has left, we think he's going to play at a high level for a long time, but kind of maybe slipped there, and, you know, basically, I mean, obviously he has three years left on his contract, so I think that's a, a logical uh, kind of end date from the Giants' perspective. I think the big variable we don't know is how much communication Eli has had with the organization about when he thinks he's going to hang it up or if they've even broached the topic, because that's got to be touchy. I can't imagine anyone in the Giants going to Eli saying, when do you plan to retire? That just seems like not the type of question you want to ask to the leader of your team, who's obviously been you know, a high-level player for a long time, face of the franchise. So I'm curious if the, other, the alternative has happened where Eli has said, listen, guys, my contract's up in three years. You know, I, you know, I got a family. I'm going to just go head for the mountains uh, you know, when that contract's up. I'd be surprised if that's the case, too. I'm just curious. We don't know that. No one's reported one way or another. Um, but obviously, again, the bringing Webb in 
at least puts a, some sort of a clock on it because, I mean, listen, he's got a four-year contract. So uh, at some point, you, you'd probably want him to play during that contract and see what you have rather than just doing an asset where he sits there for four years and, and you move on. But what happens if Eli plays well the next two, three years? So it's, it's really hard to tell. Obviously, it's going to have to play out in the field. But uh, the fact that he has three years left on his contract makes it seem like it's pretty good odds that he's going to be the starter for two more seasons. I'd be very surprised if we're talking next year at this time about Davis Webb seriously uh, you know, contending for the starting job. But if Eli has a bad year this year, definitely the footsteps will, will get a little louder. And if he, you know, he struggles next year as well, uh, then obviously it becomes much more realistic. But I think you're looking at two years minimum because I don't think Eli's going to you know, drop off a cliff. You know, they added Evan Ingram. They added another weapon. So uh, even that should help him a little bit. Um, but definitely in two years, we're going to start thinking about it. I, I still have a hard time thinking that the Giants could ever just, uh, you know, bench Eli and, and play a kid over him or cut Eli to, to give Webb the shot. But, uh, you know, a lot can happen in two years where there's injuries or his play really declines and Eli just decides uh, you know, he wants to hang him up. But that that's a little ways down the road. I think it's at least you're looking at a two-year window here where there's really not going to be much serious talk about, you know, Webb playing over Eli. Dan's right. I think that in an ideal world, they definitely get the next two years. And then if there's any issue, they don't have to face it until 2019. And as you know, Jerry said, two, three years, who knows? Maybe Eli just decides he's, he's done after two years and they do this fine. Um, but I think you are right. These things kind of move faster than maybe everyone planned this beginning. Look, I don't, there's no doubt in my mind, Eli Manning, will, in my opinion, will never play for another team. He's going to be a giant until the day that he retires. I just don't know how that is all going to play out. And look, if the, if the giant, if Eli gets through three years and he's playing great and he wants to play another three years, I'm sure the Giants would just sign him to a three-year deal and you know go trade Davis Webb if they could. I don't, I don't and try it again. But the other guy who has a four-year deal who's got three years is Ben McAdoo. So Ben McAdoo maybe didn't want to think about it, but. If Davis Webb actually becomes the next quarterback, uh, Davis Webb is going to play a big role in how Ben McAdoo's giant tenure plays out from there on out. So uh, Webb and McAdoo, you know, we'll see, you know, if McAdoo gets another four years after this deal expires. Yeah, it's interesting. The clock has definitely started, and it just feels like these things always move faster than than maybe anyone thinks. But the Giants trying to win now while do this on the side. It's it's an interesting kind of juxtaposition. Now, we really haven't touched on the second-round pick, which is obviously a guy they hope to come in uh, and help. We'll we'll get to the late-round picks in a few minutes. But, Dan, thoughts on the second-round pick? I mean, this is kind of – Jerry Reese has done this before. You know, taking Jonathan Hankins in the second round, uh, athletic defensive tackle who they think come in and and probably play right away. Uh, What's your perception of that pick? Yeah, I mean, I did a, you know, pick-by-pick grades, and I gave this one an A. There's really nothing to to dislike about it. He fills a need, talented player, big-time program, uh, great off the field, you know, glowing reviews. I mean, could have gone to Harvard, there's reports saying. I mean, he's that smart of a kid and that, you know, that good of a student. Um, Has some adversities overcome in his past. Just everything you kind of want in a draft pick. And uh, they they were talking, and Jerry Reese and Mark Ross have obviously been doing this a long time. Like one of the best combine interviews I've ever had. I mean, you got 15 minutes with these guys, and he made he just blew their socks off, I guess. So uh, all that stuff is great. And like I said, going back to the football part, he is Jonathan Hankins. I mean, it's funny. They try to say he's a different player. You look at all these scouting reports. Some of them do player comparisons. I can't remember which one it was said Jonathan Hankins. I mean, you look at the way they're described, the, 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 just their physical stature, uh, the scouting reports. They're the same player. Big, run-stuffing defensive tackle with some pass rush ability. I mean, obviously – 
one of my big things was I thought, you know, Hankins was a little overrated because he didn't really rush the passer. But it was a couple years ago when he had six sacks. So I think if you can get that type of production from Tomlinson, that'd be great. Uh, but clearly the Giants love to have kind of two big bodies. You know, they have snacks already. They, you know, there was thoughts, at least I thought, they might have gone for more of a, a true three technique who's going to be a little bit more of a pass rusher. But they wanted another big body. Tomlinson fills that role. Uh, you know, for a second round pick, I think that's, you know, about where he was pegged. There's just really nothing, like I said, to really knock about this pick. He's going to step in and play right away. Um, so, you know, everything about that, to me, it checks out. I think it was a good pick. Yeah, I mean, this is a, it was such a Jerry Reese pick. Like, he, he, that's what he likes to take and that type of guy. And I, I didn't surprise me at all. Like, a lot of these, some of these picks surprised me and Engram surprised me. And, um, and even what they did later surprised me a little bit. And no offensive lineman surprised me. That one didn't. James, of the guys they took after Davis Webb, so four, five, and six, the three players, the running back, the defensive end, the offensive lineman, which one caught your eye the most and, and maybe you think could have some impact here this year? I think the fifth-round pick, uh, Avery Moss out of Youngstown State, obviously has a uh, rather high-profile kind of uh, you know headline-grabbing you know, off-field incident where he kind of basically got banned from Nebraska's campus, which meant obviously he couldn't go to school in Nebraska or, or play football there. But we've talked a lot about how uh, the Giants lack pass rush consistency behind JPP and OV. You know, obviously Romeo Quara had a, a good year as an undrafted rookie. Kerry wins more of a run-stuffer guy. Odigizu is a big question mark with all the stuff that was kind of been around him lately. Uh, this guy, it seems like he has the ability to be a really good pass rusher, kind of Jerry Reese thinks he's a complete defensive end. He could be kind of that third guy. Obviously he has to prove it a fifth round pick. So, I mean, it's not a sure thing. And there's also the off field character stuff, but the giants seem pretty comfortable with it. So I look at him of the, of the four through six round picks they made. I think he's the one guy who could have maybe the biggest impact. I think Goldman's obviously going to play, but Paul Perkins had 100-something carries in one start last year as a rookie. I don't know if you can really expect that much more out of Gallman this year. Dan, what are you uh, on Gallman, on the running back, the fourth-round kid, uh, I'm reading the scouting report you guys put up on NJ.com, and some, some scout called him herky-jerky, quicker than fast, like a kid that can catch the ball in the backfield. Uh, you think they're done here at running back? Do like, you think what they have is enough in their mind right now? There were those rumors about LeGarrette Blunt before the draft. They have Gallman, they have Paul Perkins, Shane Vereen. You think this is the Giants' backfield for this season? It's interesting because when they first made the pick, I said, yeah, you know, this probably rules out Blunt. Uh, Jerry Reese was asked about it and kind of gave his standard, we'll explore all our options. But when I kind of look back on it, Blunt is still a different enough player from Gallman. Gallman is more of a physical downhill back than Perkins is, but he's not a huge body. Uh, I don't know that he's you know going to be this huge upgrade at the goal line. I think he, you know, I think he's got some toughness and, and will be able to do that role if called upon. But but Blunt has a very specific skill set. And assuming you'd be able to bring him in on a one-year, you know, maybe two-year deal with, you know, easy to cut him after one year and, and not big money, I think I still would kick the tires there because, if you, again, if you're not going to give big money, what's the worst that happens? You bring him into camp and, and you cut him if it, if it doesn't work out. But that factor, the fact that they took a running back in the fourth round probably makes it less appealing to Blunt because he obviously is going to look at the situation, look at the roster. Wait, they just invested a fourth-round pick. He's not getting cut. Perkins isn't getting cut. Vereen's probably not getting cut. Uh, so is there much of a role for me here? So he might have better options elsewhere. But... I don't think it rules it out as much as I initially thought. Because I think you're going to have Perkins is going to be, you know, the main first down, second down back. Vereen is going to be the third down back. There's carries for another player there. So 
I think Gallman is kind of maybe a, an upgrade on Orleans Darkwood from when you kind of read the scouting report. So I think he, you know, jumps him obviously, and he's going to have a prime opportunity to get some carries. But I think there could definitely be a, a potential situation where you bring in a blunt still, and he could still maybe jump Gallman on the depth chart. Gallman can still uh, play special teams as a rookie. Uh, you know, obviously, you always need depth at that position with injuries. And then, if, you know, Blunt moves on in a year, he's right there to take over and, and have a bigger role going forward. So uh, not as much as I thought. I, I don't expect it to happen, but it doesn't rule it out as much as I initially thought when they made the pick. Yeah, and the one guy we haven't really touched on, you mentioned him a little bit, James, the offensive lineman out of Pitt they took in the sixth round. And I, I think just this idea, the fact that we've done, you know, 35 or so minutes on a post-draft reaction podcast about the Giants and haven't talked about offensive linemen being selected, that's, I think, the thing that will kind of be the lasting impact of this until we get to the season and until or if this offensive line produces at a decent level. If Unless that happens – We'll circle back to this, right? I mean, like, that will be the kind of the lasting thing and the big question that the offensive line through free agency and through the draft really wasn't addressed. Yeah, and I think another thing fans have to remember is look ahead to after this season, Weston Richburg, unrestricted free agent, Justin Pugh, unrestricted free agent. So the Giants, I I think if you look at the Giants' offensive line as a whole and this Adam Bisnawati from Pitt – Seems like he has the potential to be a starting right tackle in the league for a six-round pick. I, I think that Giants could definitely have done worse. I just, from what I've read, it maybe it might be a little bit optimistic to hope that he's going to be a major contributor as a rookie. It seems like he's kind of raw and you know needs to kind of refine his game. But in terms of, I get what the Giants are saying in the in the sense of, well, we've added DJ Fluker, uh, we re-signed John Jerry. Uh, we we hope Hart we think Hart's can make a big step forward. We got the Biznawati kid in the fold now, but they really don't have anyone who on paper is a serious contender to take Eric Flowers' job. Which means this is all relying upon Eric Flowers making a major leap in year three. Maybe the Giants are right and he will, and it'll all be fine. But if he doesn't, you're right. We're going to come back to this draft. How did the Giants not get an addition in the draft? How they not get something in a free agency? And then. If you lose Richburg or Pew or both, then it's really going to look bad going into the 2018 season. So uh, the Giants, they seem to be comfortable that you know the whole world has this perception of their offensive line that's incorrect, and they know what's right, and they know that they're okay in, that, in the building. We'll see how it plays out. This is, seems to be their gamble, that this, they're going to be able to get through with this line. I don't know if it's going to be the right gamble, but we'll, we'll find out. We will. That's the gamble. Yeah. That, that, Joe, I got go to jump in on this one because this this is my biggest thing that I've been banging this drum all off season, and, and now this is now the draft is done. And, we've, and even Jerry Reese went on serious radio this morning and said that he's very confident that Flowers and Bobby Hart are going to develop. And listen, I've heard the age thing with Eric Flowers a ton. He is only 23 years old. That'd be younger than Garrett Bowles. The same age as a lot of these guys coming out. He could have been in this draft class if he stayed in Miami for his final two years. All of that sounds great. We've seen him play in the NFL for two years. At what point does the light just magically turn on? He didn't get any better. He played at a big-time college program, had issues there, came in, played probably sooner than he should have, or at least at left tackle, and had a tough rookie year, injury, all that stuff. I think everyone was willing to give him a pass, but they didn't try to upgrade the position, bring in any competition last offseason. But again, it was, hey, he's a young player. He's going to develop. Had a second year. No development. I, you could argue he took a step back. Now you come into this offseason – I understand that it wasn't a great offensive line class, and I understand that free agents were getting paid crazy money. 
at the end of the day, though, don't you have to look at your own roster and say, our guys aren't very good, so maybe these other guys that we're so down on would still represent an upgrade or at least some competition. Like, I still think, and I know it would have been tough maybe financially, I would have done everything I could to get Andrew Whitworth in here somehow. And, and I know people look at the Rams contract he signed. It looks like more money on paper. I think they can get out of that in two years and, and not be quite as much of an investment as it looks like. But that, all right, maybe you couldn't get him. I still think there had to be a move. There had to be a veteran that you could bring in to at least push Flowers. Maybe Flowers, it, it pushes him. All indications he's working hard this offseason. But nothing pushes you quite like a guy who came in to take your job. And then you got to fight him off and maybe do a little extra work or whatever it is that will finally get him to realize you know, some of this potential that made him a top 10 pick. Um, but yeah, that's just the thing. I can't get my mind around it. They determined the free agent class wasn't good. They determined the draft class wasn't good. Well, your guys aren't very good. So it's some, something has to give. I mean, there's not a ton of pro bowlers just waiting on the market. And there's not a ton of stud tackles that are going to be there at 23. But I still think you need to address it and just make some competition. Because, again, going into the, this season with Eric Flowers and Bobby Hart as your tackles again, for all the upgrades they've made, Brandon Marshall, Evan Engram, some of the things they've done on defense, that could still doom your season again. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to make the team go 4-12 and because obviously they have a lot of talent. They're a playoff team with those guys last year. But if you want to get to that next level, I still think having glaring weaknesses as you know the core position to protect your passer can really doom a team. So uh, as you can tell, it's a rant I've been, <laughs> I've been kind of building up to for a while. But it's just it's amazing to me that they've just basically decided that Eric Flowers is going to be the guy because we can't find anything better, case closed, and let's just cross our fingers and hope he gets better in year three. Uh, it's a huge gamble to me. If it pays off, listen, nobody will eat, eat more crow than me because obviously I've been kind of opposed to that idea. So if it works out, then they are brilliant because they were able to draft Evan Engram and not get an offensive lineman. They were able to add Brandon Marshall and, and re-sign JPP instead of getting an offensive lineman. So it's kind of a big boomer bust thing. So it's going to be fascinating to see uh, if he is able to take that step in his third year because if he doesn't it's going to be the focal point for Jerry Reese uh, for a long time I think a lot of fans will be very upset because this is a team that's on the verge of contending for a Super Bowl and that seems like the Achilles heel and they just didn't address it well I think that's the big thing and we'll wrap with this just I want a quick answer from both of you I think I already know Dan's but a quick answer from both of you because I think this is the whole thing like if this was Eli's fourth year in the league you could always say, all right, they'll address it next year, and they're building this thing, right? But the, the window's closing, and, and they already started closing it themselves by taking Davis Webb in the third round. That's the whole thing here. So based on what the Giants did last year, James, based on signing Brandon Marshall, based on where I think they think they are, and I think Vegas probably will agree when the season opens up, I'd imagine the Giants look at themselves as a team that could go out and realistically compete to go win the Super Bowl next year. I'm sure that's what they believe yeah. when they walk into training camp. So – Quick answer from both of you. We'll start with James and Dan. Can the Giants compete to win the Super Bowl with Eric Flowers and Bobby Hart at tackle? Yes. Okay, Dan. But <laughs> very quick. <laughs> yeah, no, that, I mean that. Well, no. I, look, I, look. I'm not saying that's ideal. And look, I don't think the Giants are going to win the Super Bowl. I don't even know if this team's going to make the playoffs just because I think the schedule is more difficult than it was last year. And I know they went 11 to five. I didn't think they were an 11 to five team. I, I watched them for you know five months. Yes, I mean, I think they can if Eli is going to get rid of the ball in two seconds. I think, you know, you can work around anything. And right now, I look at this team, and that's really the only major area they have. I think they've shored up everything else for the most part. And I think having two big guys like Marshall and Ingram are, is going to help in that front because I just thought, you know, Victor Cruz just did not give them what they need on the outside. So, yes, they can do it. I don't think it's going to be easy, and it would be a heck of a lot easier if you actually had 
a, a proven left tackle or a proven right tackle, but I don't think it's going to preclude them from winning the Super Bowl or contending for the Super Bowl. But at the same time, I think it also could create a big mess. So I'll say tentatively, yes, they can contend with those guys as your right tackle and your left tackle, but they have to make a major step forward or else the Giants are really in trouble. Dan, May 1st, can the Giants win a Super Bowl with the tackles they have right now? Yes, and it might be, you might not expect that answer after my, my rant to the No, I didn't. Question. I didn't. Uh, yes, because, listen, no team is perfect. Every team is going to have holes. My issue is that these are, you know, especially left tackle, that's a super important place to have a hole at, so I think that's going to be a detriment. But at the end of the day, this team is probably better than it was, at least on paper, than it was last season. You didn't have any real significant losses. I mean, again, I think they should have upgraded at left tackle or right tackle or somewhere on the offensive line, but they didn't have any really major losses. They filled the Hankins void, and you added quality players. Marshall's going to help. Red Ellison's going to help. I mean, he's getting a little overrated, in my opinion, but I think he's, you know, he's better than what they had, and Engram's going to help. So there's plenty of pieces here to say that this is a good team. I agree with James. Tough schedule. But again, they did go 11-5. and five. You know, you get into the dance, anything can happen. You know, obviously Eli has shown that. So I think the, the if they don't win, I, I would not be surprised if the lack of offensive line upgrades is the reason. I think the defense will be very good again and again. I just touched on it. They have more skilled players. They obviously still have Odell. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of pieces on offense that are going to make this, a, a, you know, should be a better offense than it was last year. Um, so I think they can absolutely compete for Super Bowl. I just think that if they'd shored up left tackle, I'd feel a lot better about it. I know it wouldn't have been easy to do. Maybe you wouldn't have been able to sign Brandon Marshall or Red Ellison, whatever it may be. I, they can definitely compete for a Super Bowl. I would just feel a heck of a lot better if they weren't just crossing their fingers and hoping two young tackles who haven't really shown much all of a sudden get better. Yeah, I'm I'm more skeptical than you guys. And part of it, too, is I watched the first round play out and I watched Derek Barnett go to the Eagles. I watched Jonathan Allen go to the Redskins. I watched Taco Charlton go to the Cowboys. And I'm saying... Well, it's just these teams have improved in their pass drafts, and the Giants haven't improved in their offense line. It's it's going to be interesting. The Giants draft a quarterback. They draft a, a weapon, we'll call Evan Engram, a uh, defensive tackle that probably could play right away. So some good, some questions, and, and a whole lot to watch for over the next couple of weeks. And, guys, we'll be back doing one of these podcasts soon. Great work at NJ.com for the draft. We read everything you guys did, and uh, get some rest. I know it was a long weekend. You got it, Joe. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, I'm probably about to go take my uh, post-draft nap. See you in about five hours. Yeah, I think you guys deserve it. All right, take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to Episode 91 of Talk is Cheap. We'll be back soon on NJ.com.